Welcome to Saving You is Killing Me, Loving Someone with an Addiction podcast. Loving someone with an addiction is a life of chaos. This podcast is to help you take back your power and build strength, hope, and restore peace in your life. We use the science and art of positive psychology, professionals in their field, along with personal stories of hope, resilience, and strength. We hope you can discover how the courage to focus on you can help put your life back together. When you are in a place of exhaustion, hopelessness, and emptiness, we are a community that knows all too well the turmoil that comes from loving someone with an addiction. We are here to help you compassionately struggle well. Hey there, you're listening to the Saving You Is Killing Me podcast hosted by me, Andrea Seidel. I'm the author and founder of Saving You Is Killing Me, Loving Someone With An Addiction. This podcast is for you if you're ready to find a way to struggle well, take back your power, and live life happier while you're navigating loving or losing someone to addiction. I wholeheartedly believe that when you love someone with an addiction, your life gets damaged in some way. Since we can't control someone else's addiction, but we are greatly affected by it, the number one thing you can do is take back your power and focus on you. I believe happiness, joy, and well-being is available to anyone. So the thoughts and perspectives I share here on the show are my own and those of the guests on the show. If you ever hear anything that feels harmful or triggering, I'm pre-apologizing and I'm open to being better and value any feedback and the permission to be human. That said, always take what you love, what feels good and leave the rest. The conversations and tools I'll share here will give you everything you need to figure out exactly how to navigate addiction, put yourself first, and how to build resilience for your well-being in a way that feels really, really good. I use these tools to take back the power in my life to build my strength back up and restore peace. And I hope that you can do the same. Hey there, Andrea Seidel here. I hope you're doing as good as possible. I always say that because it is so hard when we love someone with an addiction or have lost someone to addiction. And so I hope you're doing as good as can be because we're not always doing amazing or great or fantastic. So I just really do hope that this is finding you doing as good as can be. So have you ever called yourself a loser? Oh my gosh, I'm such a loser. Or uh, just saying things to yourself that are so mean. is like, why do I stay so long? Why do I put up with so much? Well, today we are going to talk all about this concept and all about the fact that, oh my gosh we sometimes feel like losers. Like I always used to say to myself, I was like, oh my God, I'm such a loser. Like, why am I putting up with this? So I thought I'd share uh, some vulnerability just right off the bat. I am so embarrassed to say that it was my addicted loved one that actually did the leaving. So I wanted to share that I am 
full proof that, you know what? I stayed so long. So it was such a challenging journey of staying committed despite enduring so many hardships. And now I don't need to tell you, like you, you can't believe how many hardships I put up with because I bet if you're listening to this podcast, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So experiencing loving someone and being with someone who is an active inactive addiction was so challenging and it was such a challenging journey. And I stayed committed. I stayed committed despite so many immense hardships. And I mean, sometimes we can't even leave because it's our children, but we still endure so many hardships or we put up with so much. So I was in a nine year relationship and I stood by my partner through thick and thin as he battled addiction, active addiction. He hid it from me for so long until he couldn't. I witnessed him stealing from me so many lies. He would disappear without a trace for like all night and uh, multiple days sometimes. And he would leave me to pick up all the pieces. I basically you know, he neglected so many responsibilities. You know, he would often leave the house without any warning or not show up or stay. I'm working late or I'm still working or I'm helping a friend and you don't see me, but I'm doing like air quotes in the air. <laughs> and he would, you know, sometimes not even show up to an important event. Or I remember one time I was at the airport eagerly awaiting his arrival and he didn't show up. He was nowhere to be found. And I was so sad. I had to take, you know, a taxi home. Anyway, despite all that chaos, my love and care for him remained and it was unwavering. And I supported him emotionally. I supported him financially. I was even paying for his trucks. I was paying for trips and all these bills. I was unaware that you know, that he was actually stealing from me. He was using my hard earned money to fuel his addiction. And it was unbelievable. And it was in this constant cycle of betrayal. Um, he would leave me feeling like I was so stupid. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, how could I be so dumb? I questioned my own judgment. I was so mean to myself in those moments because I was like, part of me is like, Andrea, like, why do you put up with that? Like, why, why are you so dumber? How did you not see that? I know because mine was a hidden addiction until he couldn't hide it anymore. And I was like, how could I be so dumb? Like, oh my gosh, it's so crazy. So through it all, my compassion and hope for change especially near the end when I knew what I was dealing with, it kept me hanging on. I kept seeing the potential of and hoping the person that I fell in love with before would come back. And I believed in him probably more than anybody else did. And you know, I could see beyond this addiction and I dedicated myself to helping him, you know, in recovery and help him, you know, I, I was trying to stay strong and endure all these, you know, countless stealing and lies and betrayal and picking fights and even car crashes. You know, I was one o'clock in the morning heading to, you know, the hospital because he'd been in a car crash and totaled his truck. And, you know, he would just then reappear and show up and shower me with love and love letters. And I'm going to be better for you and this and that, which further complicated my feelings and further complicated just the confusion in it all. And so 
there were so many internal struggles that went on for me and it often felt like, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed that I've been providing so much care and so much concern for this human only to be treated so poorly in return, only to be, you know, pushed to my limits of what's tolerable for me to the point where it's like, oh my gosh, like I can't, if I used to say, if I'm a, if there was a fly on the wall looking in at this, it's like, they would be like, what the frig, Andrea, why are you staying in this? Why are you tolerating this? You know, so many, so many things here. And I just, you know, it's amazing for me now looking back and how mean I was to myself for like, oh my gosh, like, you know, he would even beg me to stay or give me these love letters and the the list goes on. And I almost left multiple times. Like I was like, I'm, I just, I'm going to pack my stuff up. I'm going to leave, or I'm going to put a for sale sign on the end of the driveway. You know, like I almost left so many times, but what's so crazy is that he was the one that ended up leaving me. And I'm so embarrassed to say this still to this day, like I put up with so much and I stayed through so much. And then it turns out, um, I went away on a trip to New York and I came back and he basically text broke up with me after a nine year relationship. He sent me a text. He couldn't face me and he wouldn't show up at the house he would show up when he'd think that I was at a a, teaching a yoga class or when I was at work and he couldn't face me. And it's so crazy that he finally made the decision for me that I couldn't bring myself to make. And there was so much shame in all of that. And I was almost, I had abandonment, like felt feelings of abandonment. I was embarrassed that like he's the one that's leaving me after all this. I couldn't believe it. And it just shows you that, you know, my tenacity in that relationship, my strength, my unconditional love for him, um, you know, despite all the pain and all the heartache that... I started to lose sight of my own worth. I started to lose sight of that. And I stayed in this relationship and I often would be so hard on myself. It's like, oh my God, how could you be so stupid? And then I was so embarrassed that I stayed so long, as long as I did. And I... I just was in there for so long because I loved him so much and I had so much empathy and you know, and I don't want you to see if you are staying in this relationship or you catch yourself saying, I'm, I'm so stupid or how could I be so stupid? Or I'm such a loser. Um, I don't want you to see this as weakness. I don't want you to see this as foolishness. This is why I wanted to do this episode so badly because it is a true testament to the power of your compassion, the complexities of loving someone with addiction are so crazy. And so I just wanted to share my experience and and really that this is an opportunity for a valuable lesson that can help you empower yourself, that help you to reclaim your power and to rebuild your life so that you can not let someone else's addiction affect you in such a negative way, right? This story, my story can remind you that it's never too late to regain your self-worth. It's never too late to start now 
being kind to yourself and find compassion and find your own happiness and um, be on your own team. I want you to take inspiration from, you know, my story and, and how I was there. I was, I was so embarrassed that, oh my gosh, he's, I'm still embarrassed to this day. I'm embarrassed to tell you that, that he was the one that ended up doing what I couldn't do. I don't know how long I would have stayed in that relationship, probably a lot longer trying to help, you know, and save and fix and putting up with so, so, so much. So Let's jump into the complexities of this and let's look at it from uh, a perspective of reclaiming our self-worth and nurturing ourself while we are loving someone with an addiction or we have lost someone to addiction. Maybe someone has, you know, abandoned you or has, you know, disappeared from your life, or maybe it's a child and there's just some things that have happened that are just completely unacceptable. And you're like, what? I can't even believe that now I'm letting them come back, live in the house and this and that. We're being so hard on ourselves. So I want that to stop. I want you to stop. No, 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 no longer being hard on yourself. Loving someone with an addiction is emotionally turbulent to say the least. It's overwhelming is so hard and it's not uncommon to feel like a, like you're a loser, like, oh my God, I'm a loser or shocked by what you've endured, what you've put up with. You're shocked that throughout this journey, you're like, oh my gosh, like how did, how, why am I doing this? How could I be so stupid? But we need to stop that dialogue, right? We need to provide ourselves with compassionate support and guidance and just just recognize that this is acknowledge the challenges that we're facing and together you can explore, you know, how, why you might be feeling this way and is very common to feel this way. And it's common to have those emotions. But what I want you to do is recognize that let's switch the narrative and let's focus on taking back your power and nurturing your self-worth because it is not someone else's addiction, like someone else's. And I have a a rhetorical question that I, I I just, I got to find it here in my notes because it's so powerful. Um, Oh my gosh, where is it? It is so good because it's so, so, so true. Okay. I will definitely find it because I had it in my notes somewhere. My notes are kind of messy. So, (laughs) oh, here it is. I found it. Okay. So are the actions of someone else's addiction truly a reflection of your own worth? Are the actions of someone else's addiction, their side of the street, are the actions of someone else's addiction truly a reflection of your own worth? Absolutely not. I am here to tell you that it is absolutely not a reflection of your worth. And that is what we want to talk about today. We want to take back your power and recognize that this is complex, has nothing to do with their addiction, has nothing to do with us. So I want you just to understand the feelings. I want you to understand your feelings. Feeling like a loser when you love someone with an addiction, it's natural to question your self-worth. It wholeheartedly is natural to think, oh my gosh, I'm such a loser for staying with this, or oh my gosh, I'm, I can't believe I'm putting up with this, or whatever it is, because the behaviors associated with their addiction 
with addiction, such as lying, manipulation, and abusive tendencies, they all lead you to believe that you are somehow responsible or you're somehow unworthy of love. That is just not the case. It's so important to remember that addiction is not you. It is not a reflection of your worth and that it does affect the person that's struggling with it. It does affect us as their loved ones, but your value as an individual is not defined by their struggles and by their actions. Please, please, please take that in. So it's common to feel like a loser, but it is not a reflection of your worthiness. It is not you. So you can believe that you are somehow responsible or that you're unworthy of love. Like I know when mine abandoned me and disappeared, it's like, oh, am I not lovable? Like, why isn't he choosing me over? Like, I just couldn't even believe it after like all the times I put up with his garbage, he's now dumping me and through text. So you see, you see that, but it does not. I want you to just take this in. It's important to remember that addiction is complex and that it affects the person struggling with it. It affects us, but our value as an individual is not defined by their struggles and their actions at all. So the cycle of returning, this is a whole nother thing too, right? We put up with so much. It can be so baffling that we find ourselves repeatedly returning to this person with the addiction and that we endure so much immense pain. And I, I remember just like putting up with so much and that's that fly on the wall thing. Like, oh my gosh, if someone were watching this in, they would be saying, why are you with this person? Or if you were freshly dating this person, you would never tolerate any of that. And so it's the hope for change. It's the hope that the person that you're falling in, that you are in love with or have loved, you know, and you saw a whole different person that you fell in love with. And now with the addiction, they've changed. You're hoping that person comes back. The hope for change and the belief that things will get better or be different, it keeps us returning, right? And the love that we have for this person, it is such a strong motivator to keep us there. So Addiction can have a way of kind of capturing us or pulling us in or trapping us, you know, not only the individual that's using the substance, but also it traps us into caring for them. It pulls us into their world of addiction. And because we are caring, kind, loving, empathetic, compassionate humans, we keep returning. We think that they need our support. They, we, we, we would do what anyone does when they love someone. And so that is a major contributor to the cycle of returning, right? But I want you to recognize that you're resilient. I want you to recognize your empathy. I want you to recognize your capacity to love and don't see those as weaknesses, but they're reflections of your compassionate, beautiful, amazing nature. Please don't change. I remember Googling how not to care. (laughs) And I laugh because that's so bizarre and that's so crazy. And it shows you the complicated nature of addiction. So my message to you is understand if you keep returning, you're not stupid. You're not a loser. Just recognize though that 
The reason is because you are sucked into the vortex of addiction. You are sucked into the, the, of being, and you are a wonderful, resilient, empathetic, compassionate human that cares for another human. So it's not a weakness, right? And so I just want you to take that in. Please celebrate your capacity to love. And also recognize though that and I should do a podcast episode on abuse is abuse is abuse is abuse, regardless of addiction being a disease, or I think I need to do that one next. Okay. So tolerating unacceptable behavior. This is another thing we tolerate. I don't know about you, but how much unacceptable behavior have you tolerated? So much. I bet. I know I did. And so this is why sometimes we're hard on ourselves because we're like, oh my gosh, are you kidding? Like you're doing this again. And then how could I be so stupid? I remember even if I were to pull out my journal, I journaled all these things. Like how could I be so dumb? Blah, blah, blah. You know, so we tolerate so much behavior. Loving someone with an addiction means tolerating behaviors that you typically would find unacceptable. The manipulations, the lying, the theft, they can all leave you dumbfounded. I know for me, I was, it's like, what? You're in my wallet? Like, how dare you? I like go and train and work and hard and I get paid sometimes in cash and you're literally taking the cash out of my wallet that I worked so hard for. The manipulation, the lying, the theft, all of those leave us questioning our own judgment. I'm staying with this? Why? Are you kidding me? So as we can see, we're trying to keep ourselves safe. It's a psychological tool. It's like, let's try We're trying to keep ourselves safe. So this is almost like, imagine trusting, imagine, okay, here it is. Imagine tr- a trusting gardener who tends to the delicate flowers. So it's despite being trampled upon, the gardener continues to nurture and care, even though it's getting trampled on, hoping that one day the flower will bloom. Isn't that a good analogy? Like it's literally, that's what we're doing. We are a trusting, wonderful gardener and we're tending to these delicate flowers in our garden and we're getting trampled on. And even though we're getting trampled on, we continue to nurture and care and hope that one day that flower will bloom. That is literally what I did and what I was doing. And, but I was in the muck. I was getting trampled on. I was getting, you know, saving him was killing me literally. And that's why I came up with the name for the book, the podcast, the community. And you might be feeling the same way. So similarly, your dedication, your tolerance, it stems from a place of love and the desire to see your loved ones recover and to see your loved ones do well. Ah, but it's so essential to acknowledge that these actions that they're doing is because of their addiction. It's not a reflection of your intelligence. It's not a reflection of your worth. It's they have a problem. So Ah, so it's so common to feel and, and kind of beat ourselves up because we're trying to keep ourselves safe. We're trying to have our own back here. We're seeing the, the tolerance of unacceptable behaviors. We're seeing that cycle of returning into the relationship and putting up with what we wouldn't put up with. We see us feel that cycle of feeling like a loser, unworthy and questioning our, ourselves and our worth. 
So the key here is that we want to take back our power and we want to do it in a way that feels really, really good. And as you know, this is what this podcast is all about. So first, I just want you to feel human here. Permission to be human. Yes, it's very common for us to say things like that. But what I want you to do now at this point is to recognize and embrace self-compassion. So instead of feeling embarrassed or labeling yourself as a loser or, you know, stupid or whatever comes out, I want you to practice self-compassion. So recognize that you have handled this situation incredibly. This is an incredibly challenging situation and you've handled it with the perfect way that you know how to handle it. I know I did. And you handled it with such, and you are handling it if you're in it still with such strength and resilience. So I want you to give yourself credit for the care and the support that you have provided. I want you to give yourself credit for all the amazing human that you are, right? Even if the outcome has not been as you have hoped it to be. So give yourself care and support. And I also want the message to come through to to you as well, that the listener, like, please, 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 your worth is unaffected. So remember that the actions and the behaviors of your loved ones with addiction do not diminish your worth as an individual. You are separate. So separate their struggles from your own value and recognize that you are so deserving. You are so, so deserving of love, respect, and happiness, and joy, that their struggles are separate from your own value. And and recognize that you are so deserving of love. Your worth is unaffected. So we can't, we don't want to be hard on ourselves. The other thing we want to do is obviously create separateness or sort of kind of space boundaries and prioritizing you. So establishing and enforcing your healthy needs, what it is that you're needing to, to nurture your own well-being. So prioritizing your well-being, moving it up the totem pole. So taking the focus off of the addicted loved one and focus it back on yourself and being kind to yourself through self-care, through practicing your boundaries, through focusing on you. This is not selfish. It's necessary for your own growth, for your healing. So when you catch yourself beating yourself up, remember you need to be on your own team right now, practicing self-care and your and exercising boundaries and finding out what it is that's important for your well-being right now is essential. It's essential. So I really would love for you to think about ways that you can do that. Seeking support, of course, reaching out to friends, family, um, people outside of the world of the muck of loving someone with an addiction or losing someone with addiction. Um, And I always say surround yourself with a network of people that lift you up, that empower you. I'm so glad you're here on this podcast with us. And we have a supportive Facebook community as well. And come to the website. There's so many resources. I'm relaunching my YouTube channel coming up really soon to offer you more support. It's Live Life Happy with Andrea Seidel. And I am so passionate about helping you and and making sure you don't feel alone through all of this. So seek support, engage in support groups, seek out community because you're not alone in this. This is so, so hard. 
And then the other thing is reclaim your power, make a declaration to take back control of your life. So focus on your growth, on your well-being, on your happiness. And that's what this whole podcast is about. I don't know if you picked up on it yet, but that's what the community is about. It's about raising each other up. It's about reclaiming your power, taking back control of your life and redirecting your energy towards activities that bring you joy, that foster your personal development, that allow you to flourish and remember your strengths. Remember that you're resilient and that you can overcome challenges that you faced and you can create a brighter future for yourself. And so, so important. So remember, are the actions of someone else's addiction truly a reflection of your own worth? And the answer We know the answer. We know the answer. So I invite you to really think about some ways to recognize your impact. So recognize that, take some time, the impact that the addicted loved one is having on your life. So recognizing the impact that it's having on you. So take time to journal or reflect on how your loved one with the addiction has influenced your life without any judgment just acknowledge it. Acknowledge the emotional toll it has taken and the lessons that you've learned along the way. I really do love this idea of journal and reflecting on this. I have a whole red journal that I just downloaded my brain into. And it's amazing how I just acknowledging those emotions, it allowed me to see, I'm not so stupid after all. Or I'm, I'm not naive here. I'm actually like, holy cow, anyone going through this? Yeah, they're resilient. They're incredible. And so acknowledging the emotional toll, it makes sense that I'm feeling angry. It makes sense that, you know, that behavior is stupid. That behavior is ridiculous. You know, so actually I'm amazing. (laughs) So I invite you to take the time to journal or reflect on how loving someone with an addiction has influenced your life. Acknowledge those, the emotional toll and perhaps maybe some lessons you've learned along the way might come up as well. And what has come up? Um, I hope that you can take a lot away from this episode too. And then also giving yourself permission to feel a wide range of emotions without any judgment, right? And just know that exploring and processing these emotions in a safe place and offering yourself support around them is so important and do so in an environment that feels safe. And I love journaling. I love talking it out with close friends. And that's the whole element of seeking support, right? You might want to share your experience and your feelings with them and just seek out their understanding and their guidance, especially through challenging times, right? Attend some support groups if that's your thing. Um, Connect with others that are going through similar experiences. I can't emphasize that more, right? Finding the people that have gone through it that know and can experience and share what it is and how hard it is of what you're going through. Okay, so obviously this whole idea of boundaries, I've done so many episodes on the power of a positive yes, what are you saying yes to acknowledging, but see boundaries as basically not like putting walls up to people, see boundaries as ways that you can tap into your needs and what you value and seeing and making those really important, move those up the priority and you'll naturally create boundaries, you'll naturally establish boundaries that way, the way 
I love looking at it that way because it kind of helps um, think about what is it that I value, what is it that I'm needing for my own well-being, and that'll naturally make the things that are getting in the way of that fall away or or not be as powerful. So that is really, really important. So self-compassion, self-compassion, self-compassion. Please replace self-critical thoughts with self-compassion. Please remind yourself that, you know, you have done your best in this challenging situation, that you are a lovable, you are a caring, you are absolutely an amazing human and that it's that love and that care is not a sign of weakness. Please change that internal dialogue from self-critical to self-compassion. Please. I really ask you to do that and start, even if you catch yourself, I'm so stupid, uh, delete, delete, cancel, cancel, hit the pause button, and then replace it with some self-compassionate ones. And remind yourself that you're doing your best, that you are strong, that you, you know what? You're a loving, caring, kind person, and that's not a sign of weakness. So Self-care activities are also really important. So think about those things. What brings you joy? What promotes your emotional well-being? And really unpack this and practice being mindful and just in the present moment where there's not as much stress and keep doing things that make you feel good. Engage in those hobbies. Spend time in nature or seek out activities that provide relaxation and that give you opportunities of self-reflection here. So important, right? And we need to downregulate our nervous system because it is stressful loving someone with an addiction. So we need to offset that stress response, right? So taking back your power is a gradual process, but be patient, be kind to yourself. As you navigate this journey, seek out support, establish those boundaries, but make move self-care and self-love and compassion up the totem pole, prioritize yourself and practice self-compassion consistently. And by doing that, you can really reclaim your sense of self, foster your personal growth, and contribute to your own fulfillment. So that's about it. Oh my gosh, this is a really in-depth one. I just, you know what, someone, this is how, this is honestly how I came up with the concept for this podcast. And then I just did a whole bunch of bulleted notes. Um, Someone who wanted to come into our private support group, I have a few questions there. And their comment was, I wish I didn't feel so stupid. I'm such a loser for staying in this relationship so long. I just need help and support to build my power back so that I can get strong enough to leave. This broke my heart. It broke my heart, broke my heart. And I read, by the way, I read all your comments in the Facebook group. I'm there with you. And I... When I read this, I'm, I said to myself, I need to do an episode on this. And it is so common to feel like that. And I don't want you to. And so I just want you to recognize that loving someone with an addiction is incredibly challenging and emotionally draining. And it's not uncommon to feel like this. So what we want to do is we want to really focus on offering ourselves support and understanding and and just recognize that it's so common, but what we can do is reclaim our worth. We can set those boundaries, initiate more self-care practices, prioritize our well-being, seek support, and really practice self-compassion and embrace that inner nurture. 
So that's about it. I hope you got a lot out of this episode and I just want to go through the line or wherever you are and wrap you in a big hug because I know this is not easy and I'm here for you. Remember, please, 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 if you haven't already, share this podcast with your support groups or write a review and just so other people can find us and we can have that ripple effect of support so that nobody feels alone in this. Thank you for listening. If you want additional support, you can head on over to our website at savingyouiskillingme.com, where we have a wonderful, supportive, compassionate community. We are here for you. You are not alone. We also have a private Facebook group and Instagram feed called Saving You Is Killing Me, Loving Someone With An Addiction. Be sure to subscribe here so you get the latest episodes. And of course, share this with your community and your support groups or anyone that's going through this struggle so we can all work together to take our lives back and restore joy. Thank you so much for joining me, not only today, but week after week. Although I wish we were meeting under different circumstances, I'm so grateful that I get to show up for you and share these episodes so that we can go on this journey together. Until next week, sending hugs.